Good morning, and peace be with you. All right. Have some announcements like to get to right away, and then we'll move on for our, our worship service. A couple of things that were brought to my attention just this morning. Um, one is that on June the 27th at 6 p.m. right here, we will have a speaker come and talk to us about suicide prevention. It's called A Brief Introduction to Suicide Prevention. This is what the flyer looks like. There are some out there in the narthex. I would encourage you to grab one, if not for yourself and your own families, but all, you know to pass out. This has um, affected our church family here. And uh, it's serious, and so you know, please do pick it up. May this be a comfort, and may it perhaps uh, head off a tragic decision, as they say, a um, permanent decision to a temporary problem, okay? The second thing I'd like to bring up is uh, getting in the Word, and today we'll talk a little more about it in the sermon, but are you, any of you reading this, The Portal of Prayer? Does anyone not have one and would like one? Because I've got a few in my office. I even have some great big ones. I encourage you to read this every single day. It uh, has a couple of benefits. One, gives you a time to go and be with God. And it's short, so it's not, a, a time, it's not like we don't have time to do it. And each week it sets up the lectionary for what we will be uh, speaking of. Your pastor will be hopefully proclaiming on a Sunday, and it comes from here and lines up with the lectionary. So I invite you to do that. Our men's group, we go through this on Saturday mornings, and uh, it fosters some great discussion. It gets you in the Bible for the Old Testament and the New Testament and everything in between, and it's awesome. So please do pick that up. Okay. Second thing I'd like to bring up is um, Billy Graham has made a statement which he's taken heat for, if you can imagine that, and it's about praying for somebody. And it's not the fact that prayer is so repugnant, but it's the object of that prayer, and it happens to be the president of the United States, our president, Donald Trump. He has made a declarative statement that never before has there been a president president that has been so attacked as this man. Now, whether you agree with that statement or you agree with that person or not, we are called by our Father in heaven to lift up our leaders, to pray for them. We also are told in Scripture that our leaders, all leaders, all kings, have been appointed, been appointed by the Creator. So yeah, even Pharaoh was appointed and used powerfully by God. So in that manner, I would encourage us to lift up all of our leaders, local, state, and national, in prayer, that they might make good choices, that God would be at work in their lives, because we benefit as a country and as a world when they do and make good choices in alignment with God. Amen? Amen. Okay. And I think... Unless I missed something, Ed. I'm sorry. Council meeting this next Saturday. Please come. Nine o'clock or nine thirty, rather. 
um, right after our men's group. Um, Karen? We have Life Scan coming in July. For those of you that are not familiar with that, you know, you come through and they have ultrasounds, right? Don't they wand you? And there are flyers on the, in the narthex on the table, so Pastor Ken doesn't need to try to describe it. He'll do a poor job. Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. Well, let us stand. Our opening hymn is Crown Him with Many Crowns on page 170. name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may 
perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God will Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. Almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for you and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above, and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia.
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O King of glory, Lord of hosts, uplifted in triumph far above all heavens, leave us not without consolation, but send us the Spirit of truth whom you promised from the Father. For you live and reign with him, the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Our first reading this morning is from Acts uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. You can find it in your pew Bible on page 1691. These are not good times to be a Christian, but there's business to be conducted. So the disciples, absent Judas Iscariot, who has uh, committed suicide in the most gruesome manner, the women who tended Jesus and his family are gathered to find a replacement for Judas. Acts 1, verses 12 through 26, Luke writes, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David, concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field, and there he fell headlong. His body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it. May another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. We will read Psalm 133, verses 1 through 3, responsively. You can find it in your bulletin. 
Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. Our next reading is from the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verses 1 through 20. You can find it on page 1938. Revelation 2, 1 through 20. John writes, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets, and with all who keep the words of this scroll, worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll, because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to be right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Look. I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. 
And if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in the scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Here ends the reading. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. gospel reading this morning is from St. John, chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. Glory to you, Our reading this morning is indeed from St. John 17, 20 through 26, found on page 1680, 1680 in your pew Bible. This is what John records. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. And Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those who have given me to be with me where I am, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. And please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I'd like for you to uh, do some visualization for me in here. I didn't bring props, so you're going to have to use your imagination. Uh, I want you to imagine that I have a, a bag of flour here, okay? A big bag of flour, that I have some cocoa, that I have some sugar, salt, eggs, milk, a couple sticks of butter, 
little oil. And what does that spell? Brownies? There you go. A cake or yeah, huh? Okay. Very good. So I have all of these things. And, and the individual items um, that they are have many uses. And I guess you could put them together and, and make different things in brownies or different things in cakes. Um, my choice would be a chocolate cake. Uh, however, would you like to eat a spoonful of flour? No, no. Uh, how about maybe a spoonful of salt? No, no, or oil, or, you know, somebody's going to love butter, you know, but I, you know, that's, my cardiologist says no more. Um, but all these things individually are, just don't make it, do they? But together, mixed together, in unity together, in each other, they produce something that we all can appreciate, and that is a delicious cake or delicious brownies. Now, this lesson that we just heard can teach us a little bit about what it's like to um, be in service to the Lord, to serve one another, to be in unity, which is to be walking in love with each other, supporting each other, encouraging each other. And this was the desire and is the desire of God our Father and of his Son. Sometimes, though, there isn't unity. Can you think of a time when you have disunity in maybe uh, your church or disunity in the family or community? Oftentimes, things do spin out of control because of this, because of flesh. We become perhaps dissatisfied with our role. Perhaps you don't want to be flour, or I don't want to be salt. Or you, maybe you are oil, and you say, well, I've got a much more important job than the cocoa. And that's where things come up. Now, what does that look like? Maybe um, in a church, they might say, somebody might say, well, um, boy, that pastor Or, I don't know, did you see what that church looked like? Pews? Stained glass windows? Organs? You know, <gasps> oh, you know, people do that, though. Sure. They make statements that's not important. So what this has in common is, is that when we find ourselves thinking more about ourselves than being united with others. We need to come back to what Jesus prayed for those who would believe in this prayer. And that is, is that he would be in us and we would be in him. And when we are in him and he is in us, we are together in unity. We heard in our lesson this morning, there was one that was in disunity, and that was Judas. And yeah, that was a bad time to be a, a Christian, Gary. Thank you very much for your reading on that. It was. It was a tough time. They were wondering how much longer they were going to, to live. 
And Judas decided that he didn't want to play the role that he wanted to play. We know how that worked out for him. You know, he thought he was doing the right thing for the kingdom agenda, but he didn't do the right thing. I want to shift gears just a little bit, and it'll come back to that. But this is, uh, I got a, a, a note from my friend Bob earlier this week. These, I love getting notes from you, Bob and, and everyone. And so he sent me a text. And it was from another pastor. His name's Daryl Harrison. And Daryl Harrison wrote, Six reasons, uh, in my humble opinion, why the church in America is becoming increasingly impotent. The first one is, now listen, hermeneutical immaturism. Yeah, thank you, Gary. That's what I did when I read this. Gary just went, what? Theological progressivism. That's number two. Number three, soteriological universalism. Number four, ecclesiastical ecumenicism or ecumenicism. Number five, pneumatological ventriloquism. I knew what ventriloquism was because I used to try to do it. Oh, sorry. Right? Not very good. Evangelical pragmatism. And then Bob wrote, and I expect to have an answer from you on Saturday morning. Yeah. Boy, it got hot. I'm like, great. I think I'm supposed to know what that means. And wait, there's more. I looked it up. These kind of statements on there were kind of the things that going through the seminary, there are people that will use two-bit words to sound above it. But they're also important words, and they do have meaning. So if I can get past, and you can get past the kind of the, the dressing up of it, a hermeneutical immaturism is a childish, childish, even ignorant knowledge of Scripture. Could that be a problem for the church and why it's impotent? Theological progressivism. That's questioning God and his word. That sounds like that could be a problem, amen? Soteriological, I got it that time, universalism. That means all roads lead to God, right? That could be a problem for the Christian church. Ecclesiastical ecumenicism, got it right that time too. Church tradition and governance. Woo. When we start war worshiping the way that's always been in the church at the disparity of unity, togetherness, when we say the flower's the most important part, but all of them come together to make it important. So when you see the stained glass windows or you see the altar or you see the pulpit or the baptismal font, we don't worship any of these things, do we? No, but they're reminders. But some people walking in here might go, oh my gosh, they're idolaters. And so that is a problem from the pulpit that we don't teach that. So church tradition and governance, if that is what it seems to be worship, then that can be a problem on why the church is impotent. Amen? Pneumatological ventriloquism. 
Anytime you hear pneuma, it's your breath, right? So you're thinking of um, Jesus breathed on his disciples. Remember that a few weeks back? Gave him the Holy Spirit, just like God breathed into man, Adam. So that is the Holy Spirit manipulation. Uh, yesterday I explained it in, in this way. I, I think I'm accurate, and that is that when somebody comes up to you and says, you know, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you. God told me to tell you, and I've had that happen, and, and uh, grace, great, gracefully I was given an answer to that instead of <laughs> the one that's knee-jerk and, and very fleshly of your pastor, and that is wonderful, thank you. And then I go away and I go, hey, you know, Dad, <laughs> why didn't you just tell me <laughs> if this is true? That's my question. Why wouldn't the Holy Spirit come and tell me or tell you? you know, but that is that, is that uh, the idea of a pneumatological manipulation, ventriloquism. There is no there there. Evangelical pragmatism. This is the most dangerous one in my opinion, and that is spreading evangelical, the message only if it has a practical application. And then jettisoning, throwing out, tossing out anything that is impractical, anything unpractical that is, I don't know, are we talking about jettisoning the law? Well, that's the Old Testament. That doesn't apply anymore. Really? That's not what Jesus said. The law stands. Does it not? He fulfilled the law, did he not? So these are all things that, that this man, and I'm grateful to Bob for forwarding it to me. I'm grateful for him to putting it out there because I had to spend time to look this up and parse it. He did it on purpose. He was fishing, and he, you know, pulled that jig, and he got me. Got me. Hook, line, and sinker, and now you get to, you've heard it. Okay, so what's the inoculation to that, to the church being impotent. Well, we're supposed to be together, and that's the theme today. That's We're supposed to be together. In our opening uh, scripture here with, with Acts, you're talking, you, they walked a Sabbath day's walk. Does anyone know what a Sabbath day walk is? Well, in, in those times, and those that uh, observed the law, they were allowed to walk 2,000 cubits on a Sabbath. <laughs> that's it, no more. That's about a half a mile. And so that's how far they walked uh, from the Mount of Olives up to the room upstairs. And we hear that uh, Peter spoke to them, reminding them of the Psalm of David, which is Psalm 41.9, which says, Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, he's lifted his heel against me, a prophecy of David. So why do we come together? Why do they come together? We come together because we are to come and break bread. We are to come together and speak of the psalms, sing songs, and worship God, and to learn about him in us. We're to learn what a hermeneutical immaturism is, something like that that can help us with our faith so that if someone comes to you, you have an answer to the reason for your faith. It's interesting that they come together and, and even Peter says, talks about the psalm pointing to the future 
of what happened with Christ. The Holy Spirit has come upon them. These guys have knowledge now. It all made sense that Jesus had told them all along. They understood the seemingly simple thing for us to understand because we get to look at it from here. But when Jesus said, I tell you the truth, that this temple will be torn down and in three days I'll rebuild it. And we know he was talking about his body, but they didn't. They do now. That's why they come together to talk of these things. We need to know that everything in the Old Testament, every jot and tittle points to Christ and him crucified. And that serves to unite us. I want you to write this down if you feel like it, but even if you don't. On Psalm 110, that speaks of the Messiah. And all of the prophecies, all of the, everything that has been written about the Messiah in the Old Testament must be fulfilled. So Psalm 110, if you take a look at that at your leisure, it says things like that he will sit at my right hand. It says that troops will follow him It says that he will come in the order of Melchizedek. It says that kings will be crushed, that nations will be judged, that the dead will be stacked and rulers will be crushed. He came like a lamb. He's returning like a lion. Psalm 72 says he reigns as long as the sun and as long as the moon. It says from sea to sea, from river to the ends of the earth. Tribes will bow, enemies will lick the dust. That's contrition, defeat. Kings will bring tribute. All nations will serve him. All nations will be blessed through him. And they will call him blessed. In other words, yeah, he came as a lamb. He came as a baby. He is the king. He is resurrected. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he will come and judge again. That is what the Old Testament tells us. That is what we come together and and celebrate. And that is why we worship him, because this baby, this lamb, who's coming back as a lion, chose you chose me to be his children. By what he did on the cross, Christ and him crucified gave you and I the power to be called children of the living God. He's coming back for you and for me and not because we are so nice but because he chose you. Here's the the bottom line in which he prays for us. The Alpha and the Omega prays for us. Nay, he sings over us. That is that Jesus has truly risen in his body from the dead. Jesus reigns right now 
as an unseen king. The unseen king of the here and now. He reigns. And he will return at a time appointed by the Father. But he will return and he will be in full sight of all of the nations, of all of the rulers, of all of the people. And they will bow and this will happen in God's good time. And so the therefore, there is, this is what the there is there for. And that is do not brother and sister, let the evil one lock Jesus in the past. Do not let the evil one lock him in the past. Do not ever abide by, oh, that's the Old Testament that has nothing, no meaning here. And do not, do not reduce his ministry to you, which is going on in you, right now in here right now he is ministering to you but instead we should boldly pray to Jesus and we should acknowledge him as Lord he is our Lord and he is the reason that we are in good standing you are in good standing today and your eternal tomorrow. Once again, you are in good standing today. Your sins have been forgiven. Do you remember hearing that? By his authority, I declared that to you. For his sake, the Father forgives you of all of your sins. You are made new United in him and he in you right now so that your eternal tomorrow when you go home is secure. And that eternal tomorrow flowed by, through his perfect work on that cross. The victory that he had over the grave is yours and is mine. And we know that he is enthroned at the Father's right hand. He said so. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Let us pray. Lord, increase our faith in Jesus' past, his present and future triumph, and make us bold witnesses to him in every facet of our lives together. In the name of Jesus, amen.
stand. Let us now confess our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Let us pray. Let us pray to our <coughs> Creator, Savior, and Holy Counselor. Dear Lord, our Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we praise your holy name and give you our thanks for our vast and incredible blessings. Those blessings are so numerous, so often given, and so undeserved that we fail to see them even when right in front of our eyes. We're sorry for being so self-indulgent and self-centered that we see everything good in our as a result of our personal works and efforts. How can you love us in spite of our failings is truly divine, a holy gift that is most certainly beyond our understanding. Thank you for loving us, Holy Father. Thank you, Lord, for our church family here at Reformation Lutheran Church and the joy we experience every time we gather together. We're very different in human terms, diverse in every way, but the same in your creation and as the body of your church in Jesus Christ, where we will live together in love forever. Thank you for the eyes to see, ears to hear, and heart to recognize our heavenly family standing here today. We thank you for our pastor whom you delivered to us to always remind us of the love behind the laws you provided us that we constantly break and your eternal love, forgiveness, and salvation through the sacrifice of your only son that we don't deserve. Thank you for providing our faith in Jesus, a faith that saves our souls. Lord, though we receive many good things from you, our world hurts and our nation hurts, and this you already know. We have created this mess through our sin against you. Father, we feel like we're drowning in hate as the news and social media floods our thoughts. Please give us a respite from the anger and idiocy of our state, national, and world politics, and let us focus, enjoy, and marvel at your creation around us. We implore you to relieve the pain and suffering of the vast number of your people in our Midwest and Eastern states following violent weather, tornadoes, destruction, and flooding. Many of our citizens in these areas are faithful Christians who spread the good news of Christ all the time. Who will take their place if you allow them to be destroyed? Please strengthen their faith and protect them from harm. We pray for responsible, moral, and compassionate government leaders who would value serving their own people above serving themselves. And we pray that nations of the world who have much share with those who have little 
rather than seeking more power or dominion. We pray for those who have recently graduated or will soon graduate from various schools, especially those anxious about their future and uncertain about what they will do next. Grant them your peace, Lord, and the comfort of knowing that you will lead them in the right direction at the proper time. As they embark on greater challenges, greater responsibility, and develop into more responsible United States citizens, we pray that you, Holy Spirit, would guide them with the wisdom of Solomon and protect them from the lies and deception that often find their way into higher education. Please give our children and young students discernment that they would not follow the enticing but destructive suggestions of evil. Give us a large measure of joy in the accomplishments of our youngsters of all ages. We pray for safe travel for all of our family and friends during this graduation and summer season. We pray for our military service members and law enforcement personnel who serve to protect our freedom. And this week on Thursday, we give a special thanks for all of the people who gave their lives on the longest day in June 6, 1944, to save us from the tyranny of evil. Hundreds of thousands of people around the, around the world gave everything to protect us. Let us never forget Holy Spirit. We pray for comfort and peace for those who have recently lost loved ones, including pet animals that are part of their families. Father, you know our hearts are broken, and pray, Holy Spirit, that you would comfort all in distress. Thank you most especially, Father, for the gift of your Son, our eternal Savior, Jesus Christ, and your promise of an eternity with you through faith in him. Lord, please now listen to each of us now, either aloud or in our hearts, and that your answers would be provided, that we would understand and follow your will. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace.
Will you please stand? We pray with me. Blessed are you, O Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God. But chiefly we are bound to praise you for the glorious resurrection of our Lord. For he is the true Passover lamb who gave himself to take away our sin and who by his death has destroyed death and by his rising has brought us to eternal life. And so with Mary Magdalene and Peter and all the witnesses of the resurrection, with earth and sea and their creatures and with angels and archangels and seraphim and cherubim, we join their unending hymn. Holy, In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death and his resurrection and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, our name.
This is but a foretaste of the feast to come. This is a deposit on the uh, gift of grace that he gave you. This is assurance of your eternal salvation through his perfect work on the cross. If your confession is that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and I heard you, then come. The table is prepared. You may be seated, and you will be brought up by the ushers.
Will you please stand? Today when you are dismissed, let me say, let us go in unity and serve the Lord. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing hymn is, I Know Whom I Have Believed.
Let us go in unity and peace and serve the Lord.